We've been waiting 365 days for 2022, haven't we? We've been waiting because we want to see things get better. In fact, in 2020, we couldn't wait because we thought in year three, we would be done with this thing, right? Yet here we are. And they say things are worse. You see, at the beginning of a new year, we already start waiting for things, don't we? We're waiting, maybe we're waiting for the new iPhone 14 to come out. Maybe we're waiting for the Batman movie because we can't wait to see that. Or maybe we're waiting for our favorite team to be in the Super Bowl. Sorry, Pastor Steve. Oh, I had to say that. Oh. It's those times when we're waiting from one event to the next that we think, how do we respond? What are we supposed to be doing? I mean, those times of waiting when we're waiting for that right person that, that we want to meet and marry and have children with. That person, we're waiting for that perfect job. Some of us are well into our 50s and we're still waiting for our perfect job. Or we're waiting for a prodigal son or a daughter to come home. Or we're waiting on someone else to change because they're the problem, not me. Hmm. We're waiting for retirement. Can't wait for that. Travel, go all these places. Some of us are waiting on revival for the second coming. You find we are people that are always waiting on something. But my question today is, how do we respond in those waitings that we can't wait to get to that next thing? Kids, have you ever been in the backseat? I know you're in the house today, kids, because I'm going to ask you this question. Have your parents ever taken you on a trip and you're sitting in the backseat? What's the one question you always ask? Are we there yet? Yeah, you ask that quite a bit of times. I remember when my kids, I thought they would never stop asking that question. I would always say, yeah, about mm, 10 more minutes. There are these times in our culture today that we're waiting. And our culture doesn't train us very well to wait, do they? I mean, in just a matter of minutes, I can get on my phone and I can have hot food at my doorstep thanks to DoorDash. In a matter of seconds, I can send a message, send and that message is sent around the world. You see, in our cultural economy today, a delay sometimes feels like a waste of time. Or delay can feel like a valid reason to doubt the love of God. As I was preparing for this sermon, I was taking to the book of Jeremiah. I started reading in, in chapter 31 because someone gave me this verse and I started reading it and I I saw it and I was like, yeah, these people are waiting. They're waiting for the new covenant, this new hope. But then I started asking myself, well, what did they do in between that time? So I went all the way back to the beginning of Jeremiah and I started reading it. And wow, that's, that's a hard book to read. It is really hard. But Jeremiah is this prophet and he's really young. Kids, he's really young. And I want you to hear this because so many people that God chooses, they have an excuse of why they shouldn't be chosen. And you know what his excuse was? He was too young. He said, oh, Lord, 
I'm really young. That's a, that's a pretty hard message you got. No one's going to listen to a young punk like me. Choose someone else. But he says these words to Jeremiah. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. And God said, do not say that I am too young. You must go everywhere I send you and say whatever I command you. And he says this, I think this is interesting because I know God knew this was such a hard message. He says, don't be afraid of their faces. You ever give someone a bad news and then you watch their face? He says, don't be afraid of their faces for I am with you and I will rescue you, declares the Lord. You see, this message that Jeremiah had to give was a message of condemnation for them, for their false worship and their social injustice with a summons for them to repent. He proclaimed that there was this foe from the north in a vision he saw it and it was like this hot melting boiling pot that would pour out destruction upon them. It was a message that they would uproot, tear down, destroy, overthrow, but then build and plant. You see, we are living in times like these right now, aren't we? When we're wondering, God, when is this going to get better? We turn on the news, we read the newspaper. And if you're like me, I mean, I'm preaching this sermon today because this is me. I read the newspaper and I'm like, oh, Lord, come on, really? This is what I go out there and face today? Or I turn on the news and I hear it. And I'm just like, oh, I don't want to hear this. I think these people that were living in exile didn't want to hear they didn't want to be where they were. They were taken to a city where there were pagans. But when we read this passage, I want you to look at what God says. He says, build houses, settle down, plant gardens, and eat what they produce. Marry, have sons and daughters, have grandchildren. What? You... You want these people to be my neighbors? The one who came in and destroyed my city? They overthrew our house. They turned up the tables in our house. And then they took me to this place that I don't want to be, God. And you want me to be their neighbor? He says, yeah, I do. Kids, I got another question for you here. Have you ever had a fight with your brother or sister and your mom or dad sends you into the next room and they said, you hold hands until you make up. <laughs> oh yeah. Things go real quick, don't they? Because you want to stop holding hands. I think this is what God was saying to these people in exile. Be friends with these people. Get to know them. Their task of faith was to be present and share in the struggles they were to go from refugees to residents. Living among people is our way of living out the gospel. And we read in John chapter one of a relocation, don't we? It says this in John chapter one, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. God moved in, didn't he? 
set up a shelter, moved in with us. And this is what God is saying to his people. I want you to move in. I want you to settle down. And this is the gospel message. The gospel message says that I want better for my neighbor than I want for myself. I want better for them spiritually, physically, socially, emotionally. But we really can't do that if we're not present with them. Now, this, this letter gets even better. He says, I don't only want you to be present with them. I want you to pursue the peace and prosperity. Are you kidding me? I mean, I feel really, I'm, I have a real like heart for this, this guy who had delivered the message because he, Jeremiah wasn't delivering the, this himself. It was a letter that he sent through a guy named Elisa. And Elisa was the one who had to deliver this letter. And I just can't imagine what these people are, 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 are saying to him and looking at him. But they hear God says, yeah, I want you to pursue the peace and prosperity of the city. You mean our enemies, the ones who drug us here? I ain't doing it. But God said, oh yeah. I want you to seek the shalom of the city. That's the words that he hears, shalom. What is shalom? Shalom means that we are living in a right relationship with God and community and creation. Shalom seeks justice for others and righteousness. Shalom is this internal thing that's happening inside of us out of a right relationship with God. It's what the kingdom of God looks like. It's what it looks like when families are healed. Shalom is, what the, is when the image of God is recognized and protected and cultivated in every single human. That is shalom. Shalom is our calling as followers of Jesus Christ. It's the vision that God sent forth in the Garden of Eden. This has been going on for a long time. You know, some people say, man, it's gotten so bad. I'm telling you, it's really bad. I'm like, well, I mean, to me, it's been bad for a long time. Oh, no, it's really bad now. I'm like, have you read your Bible? Because a lot of bad things happened a long time ago, and they are still happening today when we read our newspaper. But this vision that God sent forth in the garden is a, is a vision that God restores every broken relationship. Shalom is what our souls long for. But you see, when I look at our cities today, I'm not seeing a lot of shalom. And I'm telling you, I'm talking to us too, church. It's us too. You see, people have become polarized, haven't they? They've become partisan. They're making posts about what they're against and not what they're for. They're, they're in discussions with people and making their voice so loud they can't even hear the, what the next person is, wants to say. In fact, they just dismiss them because what they have to say is more important. I think Paul has some great words of wisdom for us in the New Testament of what shalom should look like for us in our churches 
and on our cities. Let me take you to it right now. Romans chapter 12. Listen to these words because these are the words for us. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who mourn. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Don't be conceited. Don't repay evil for evil. Be careful what is to do in the what is right in the eyes of everyone. Now here it is. Listen to this. You ready for it? If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace. Live shalom with everyone. Did he say some people? Kids, did he say some people? Who did he say? Everyone. I can always count on the kids. Now, this seems doable when it's people that we get along with, doesn't it? Oh, I can, I can, I can do that. It's someone I like. But what about when it's someone we don't like? He says, live at peace with everyone. So God says, be present, pursue the peace. But he knew that they couldn't pursue the peace unless they what? Prayed for it. Here's what he says right here. He says, pray to the Lord for it, for if it prospers, you too will prosper. Now, when we hear that, we think, all right, well, maybe I'll do it because if I prosper, that's going to be good because we're thinking in material terms this is not material. This is what's going on internal because never, God never cares about the outside. It's always what's going on in the inside that he cares about. I'm sure that these people in exile did not want to be praying for Babylon. In fact, I, I happen to read in Psalm 139, here's what they say. Daughter Babylon, doomed to destruction. Happy is the one who repays you according to what you've done to us. That was, that was their attitude. But God said, I want you to pray for these people who you view as your enemy. Have you ever prayed for an enemy? Have you ever prayed for someone you didn't like? You didn't even want to like them? In fact, you would be happy if you never saw them again? I have. And it's one of the hardest prayers I've ever had to pray. Even to get it started. Oh, God. How do I even begin this? But as I began to pray, something changed. And it was me. It started in me. I began to change. And the circumstance began to change. You see, these people were turning in from mourners to missionaries. That's what prayer does for us. It changes us. And they were beginning to see the mission that God had for them to pursue the peace and the prosperity of the city. God says, first of all, then I urge you, 
by prayers and supplications be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. 1 Timothy chapter 1. God is asking us to pray for our cities. And while we pray, we wait. We don't give up. God says to these people, you're going to have to persevere through this. He says this next. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to you, declares the Lord, and bring you back to this place. You see, when I read in chapter 28, I saw what this verse was talking about. There were some people in chapter 28, some prophets who were saying, couple years, this thing will be over. I think we heard that in 2020, right? Couple years, this thing will be over. 70 years, they were gonna have to wait in this. And so God says, I want you to wait. But he has a plan for them. And this next verse, this is a familiar verse. I know a lot of you have seen it. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to what? Harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a... We've all seen that. In fact, I bet you some of you have mugs with it on it. You turned your calendar to 20 January 2022. There it is. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. It's everywhere. In fact, I was talking with my kids and we were talking about this verse and my son said, oh yeah, I remember, I remember a devotion once I heard about them. The guy said, you know, these people that this was written to, they didn't even see this hope. They all died. He goes, and then I went to sign up for classes at IW and it says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Now, this doesn't mean that I want you to go and if someone, get, if someone you know, gives a, a graduation card to some kid and it says, for I know the plan, rip it up. It says, that is not for you. Do you know who this is for? But it is a great place to dialogue about God and what he's doing in the midst of times we don't wanna be living in. You see, God did have a plan for them. And it was a plan to prosper them and not to harm them. But it was after this 70 years. So how are they to respond to that? Oh, let's have a party because, you know, this thing's going to get better. I think this next part tells us how they were to respond. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me. And I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back from captivity and I will gather you from all the nations and places where I've banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. They were to respond to God's grace here. They were a people who had turned from God and God said, once again, I've created this path to deliver you out of this and to bring hope to you. 
their promise was to hold on in the midst of being a place where they didn't want to be. And they were to have faith that God was with them and he would deliver them. Being present, praying, pursuing the peace and persevering. It's not an easy task in the middle of difficult times like we've been living in. This pandemic has changed us a lot. It's taken people that we love. Some of us, it's taken our jobs. It's changed the way that we've done jobs. And we're just plain fed up with it. It's caused us to be angry as far as the East is from the West from one another. But let's not allow this, people. I want to tell you about some things that I saw in the midst of the pandemic that caused my heart to say, God is in it. He is here. When the pandemic started, I remember it was the schools were shut down and all the kids were going, yeah! But things were really going to change and the teachers were worried. And one of the things the administrators were worried about, well, how are we going to feed the kids? Because a lot of people budget for two meals at school. What are we going to do? I saw our food service director, Tennille, get together and come up with a plan with some other administrators. And it was a plan like I'd never seen before. I mean, it was a close to feeding the 5,000 as I've ever seen. And I remember they, they brought some people in and paid some people to come in and help, but still they needed more. And I remember calling to Neon. I said, you need help? And she goes, yes, yeah, send whoever you've got. So we went and we helped. And I remember the bags, I have a picture of it, and I've never seen so many bags of food. And then what I loved about it, they said, this is not just for Marian people. Whoever needs food, they can come and have food for their family. It was for the whole city, the whole county. And people came and it was lined up. And every single week we did that. And some, I remember the first time that we did it, it was the worst weather I'd ever seen. We were cold. I remember my hands were numb being outside, but it was a beautiful shalom in our city, where people weren't thinking about themselves. They were thinking about their neighbors. Another great thing that I was able to be involved in, and I think it's interesting here that, that God says through Jeremiah to plant gardens. It's kind of an interesting thing, but I understand it because this summer I worked in a garden with my friend Shante Horton. And Shante oversees about six gardens here in the city of Marion that she shares this food with other people in the city. But I went to the one on 35th and Poplar. It's called the Empowering Youth Garden. And some of our kids from Francis Slocum, we started in May and we went to this plot and I thought, man, this is a mess. I was glad I wore my boots because I stepped in and it went all the way up to here. And the kids were like, <laughs> they thought that was funny especially because they threw their soccer ball in the middle. They said, Miss Vicky, go get my soccer ball. I didn't know it was so deep. But what I saw was we started teaching the kids how to plant seeds. And we could, didn't just plant the seeds and leave them there. Shantae says, we got to be present. We got to come back every week. And we got to pray to the Lord for rain. We got to persevere because you know what? Things don't grow overnight. It took a whole summer. 
But then we started harvesting. I'll never forget the first day that we cracked open a watermelon and kids were just eating that watermelon. It was a great time. It was beautiful to see what was happening in this garden and kids from all walks of life coming in to this garden and working in the garden. And what I love about it, it just happened in that garden, it was shared because in November we came out here and we made from some of the harvest we have from that garden, we made a Thanksgiving meal and invited anyone who wanted to come. I'll never forget the whole pals, men and women coming to help us. I wanna tell you, if you need volunteers, get them. I've never had this happen. The event was over at six o'clock. I'm always looking at this at an event after we clean up. I'm always like, how long did that take? You know, I'm waiting. But I was driving out of here at 6.30. We cleaned up all that food that fast because people came together for the shalom of the city. One of the things that I do on every morning at Francis Slocum, I actually open car doors for kids when they get out of the car. It's one of my favorite things. People say, you get up that early? I go, yeah, I love it. I mean, I've overslept a couple of times, but it's been great. And so I open the door and I'm like, good morning. Have a great day. I get to say blessings on your day to the mom and dads. And I, I love doing it. But one Friday, this kid came up to me with a note. And this is what it says. I know it's not easy as the weather changes to stand outside and do what you do, but please know that when you open my door and smile, how much I appreciate you. This is shalom, people. Writing a small note, telling someone that you appreciate them. So in 2022, my challenge to you is this, that instead I've seen the news as the doom and gloom and the bad that it is and, the, and all the bad that it continues to be. Listen to this. What if this, is an, what if this is actually, all this is going on? Is God working towards better? What? Yeah, all of this is God working toward better. And our, the invitation for us is to join him in that work toward better, to be the salt of the earth, to be the light of the world, to not, to not grow weary in doing good for at the right harvest, we will reap, at the right time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So my challenge to us in 2022 is to be present, find ways to be present. Find ways to pursue the peace and prosperity of this county. Pray for it. And last, persevere. Don't give up.